you know, you can exercise a muscle in your mind all you want. You can look at the negative and you can become a professional at that. You can become the best in the world at always finding what's wrong with things. Another option is you can sort of make a shift and exercise that muscle a little bit less and exercise another muscle a little bit more. And what'll happen is that the one you stop exercising gets a little weaker and the one you do exercise gets a little stronger. Welcome to Good AF, the podcast that interviews good guys who do good things. I'm your host, Matthew Nadeau. When's the last time that you listened to that gut feeling? You know that feeling you get right, right in there? Well, running on a steady diet of coffee and hot dogs, it took a Hollywood dream, a good old fashioned catfish, and the search for the cure for hair loss for today's guest, Health Aid co-founder Justin Trout, to accidentally jumpstart America's obsession for kombucha. Justin is a riot. We hit it off right away, and I can't help but think that that little bit of alcohol and the five bottles of kombucha I drank didn't make this conversation all the more interesting. I want to start off with Justin. Who you are, where you're from. How are you, how'd you get out to L.A.? Interesting. Like everybody who comes out to L.A. has a good story. There's a reason. Right. You don't just, you know, there's a, there, you're coming to L.A. for something usually. So in my case, we have a similar background in the sense that I'm from South Jersey, mm-hmm. a town called Millville. And um, so that positions me. I think that South Jersey and Millville is a really, really unique part of, of the world. I played the guitar growing up. That was my thing. Mm-hmm. And so I put a heck of a lot of intense practice to, into that when I was growing up because that was that was really my passion and my calling. So. For example, like when I was a senior in high school, I only went to, um, like they gave me a, like a waiver. Mm-hmm. So I only went to uh, the second half of the day and the first half, like four or five hours, I would practice every morning. So then I ended up going to Berkeley College of Music in Boston, spent time there. And then that's where I met my girlfriend, who's now my wife, who is also our co-founder and CEO, Dinah. And then, so when we finished school, we went to L.A., to be a musician, of course. That's what I did. Real, real quick, I'm going to have to stop you for a second. Yeah. Are you a Bon Jovi or the boss kind of guy? I'm kind of a neither. Oh, It's crazy. I just don't connect with their sound. Yeah. And you know what's really effed up about the whole thing? Is that I'm like a rabid Billy Joel fan, which none of this makes any sense. <laughs> After we just said these things about New York. I, I, I play the guitar, but I love the piano, man. Yeah, it, it just is what it is. So I don't, know, I don't know what to say about all that. I guess, I don't know, kind of unique in that way. So I came to L.A. to be a musician. And I ended up doing that for, um, gosh, maybe like six years, six, seven mm-hmm. years, um, picking up any kind of music gig possible, right? Like yeah. I did the equivalent of coming and living on a boat and like just I'm doing it. And so that was like all of the above. There'd be like a great gig would be to produce or engineer something. A bad gig would be like, you know, you're playing acoustic guitar, backing up some lady at like you know, in, in like a Chinese food restaurant, which I've literally done. And mm-hmm. so here's the crazy thing about all that is I ended up, I don't think I've ever publicly stated this in terms of like an, on broadcast like thing. This is for real. This is a first. I was horribly catfished. So I had a friend from Boston. We were here in LA and we really wanted to be like, the, okay, the best gig in music for us was to be the song writer. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's the gig. Yeah. It's like royalty city. Plus you kind of get to live a lifestyle that you want and you work with a lot of people and there's a diverse amount and tile style of music on these things. That's what we were trying to do. Then we ended up getting this manager. Um, 
in air quotes, manager. And it was someone who wanted to <laughs> help us. There's a lot us. of them out there. Yeah, well, look, it was someone who wanted to help us. We're fine. Long story short, she connected us with somebody who wanted to basically be like a philanthropist for uh, people in the arts and music. And she just wanted to feel excited and be part of this. And like, apparently like her grandfather is some kind of billionaire or something. And she has this huge, you know, stipend that she's given and she wants to spread it around. And this lady from England. Mm -hmm. And so we're like, okay, yeah. could shoot some of that my way. And so we ended up going through this whole process where, um, you know, she actually did give us a little bit of money. Like it happened once. And Once. yeah, it was really weird. Like we, and, and so the whole time is like, okay, guys, draw up this intense studio list of all the items that you might want in the studio. And uh, also find real estate where you put, dude, then essentially she was going to put together this crazy party in LA where we would debut all these songs and there would be all these like hip influential people there. Mm -hmm. And, um, and they would come because we'd build it and they would come type of thing. And, Obviously. and then, um, and then bottom line is that I started to get really curious about all this because like there were some things that were not adding up and I wanted to believe. I mean, wanted And you've to actually believe. met this woman. The manager, yes. The but philanthropist. Not the, not the no. philanthropist. All right. So then I started doing all this digging and there she had all these like virtual assistants everywhere and all these different things. All these people, this weird, this network seemed very real. And then um, I started doing some digging and the bottom line is that I realized like this whole thing is not real. So then, yeah. So then we ended up connecting with the virtual assistants and, 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 and like aligning our stories. And we're like, wait a minute. Wait, oh my what? goodness. This is like an international, this woman, like what is the deal? So then we ended up figuring out that she's just like a really depraved person who is obsessed with World of Warcraft, which is like one of these things people get obsessed with. Like it's a thing. Sitting in her basement just eating potato chips. Yeah. And then in her parents' basement, probably. Yeah. And so, and, and she was just obsessed. And there was like really no motive other than like that's how she finds meaning in life is just sort of investing herself in these made up realities. And then, so that I took that kind of hard because of that experience. I was like, I need to give music a break. Yeah. This is driving me nuts. Okay. It's, it's, it's simply, I saw something one time. They were asking a question about like a student who, uh, who had cheated on a test to make it into Harvard, and what is the moral problem with that? And somebody's answer was like, the problem is you wanted to go to Harvard too bad. You wanted, you, you wanted something so bad you cheat over it. Yeah. And I thought that's a really interesting approach. I thought, well, I want to make it in music so bad that I'm willing to believe something that is such obvious fiction. And I would willing, I'd be willing to disrespect my own self so much that I, I would go down this twisted path. So it really, it, I saw a broken mirror essentially. And how many so, people were in the band? It was me and a buddy. And it wasn't really a band. Like we were writing songs and oh, they were okay. supposed to be for artists and things. So then I said, I got to get a job. Well, here's a guy who's never had a job before. Yeah. Like, like a straight job. You know what I mean? And so like I have like no skills to offer besides music. And so I ended up getting a job at this company, uh, which at the time was called Spencer Forrest. They became called Topic. But what it is, is like, you ever seen like this, the, like shake on hair? Like if you like have a ball. Oh, Topic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, Topic. Right. Yeah. Okay. So I ended up working for these people. And these people. These people. I say that because it, it was so foreign to me at the time. And there was something about entrepreneurial business, uh, just the how multifaceted it was and how everything impacts everything else. And there's so many considerations and uh, there's so much opportunity and the, everything about it. I thought, wow, this is so fascinating. I really dug it. 
And it clicked with me that like, I want to be in the driver's seat. I want to start a business. Mm -hmm. And at that time was sort of right place, right time. My wife was feeling the same way for her own reasons. And our best friend, Vanessa, who's our third co-founder, was feeling the same way for her own reasons. And we decided to start an entrepreneur club and a three-person club. A three-person club. A three-person club. Yeah. So it's like another Very band. exclusive. Kind of a band. Yeah, Members ex- only. Exclusive, exclusive <laughs> club. Members only. It's a very and Philly thing. We're starting a club. It's just us. Yeah. It's, it's, it's yeah. It's Hello. infinity minus everyone else except for us. And so, and then, um, and basically that was how we birthed HealthAid was through that. And so to me, like the whole coming to LA, working in music, wanting it too bad, getting catfished, then or catfishing my own self, whatever you want to call it. Like I don't oh, blame catfish. Yeah, one can be catfished. And then um get working for topic, learning about it, and then starting healthy. Like that's all one thread for me. Yeah. yeah, it's all one story. So you create this club and what do you guys do? You just sit around and spitball ideas? Basically. Well I, I read something and I don't know if this is true, but I read something about you that you guys were initially looking for some kind of like uh thinning hair solution. Well I knew the industry. And the reason why I was so into it, because I'm into it. I feel like, like I'm in that boat. I'm starting to lose my hair a little bit, so I need to. It sucks. It blows. Here's the deal. I'll never forget. I was in Anchorage, Alaska, of all places, <laughs> for a trade show. I didn't see that story going. Mm-hmm. Anchorage, Alaska. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I was there for uh, like a trade show about like hair loss solutions and doctors and stuff were there, and and I'm trying to sell. All right, you know, like in Sky Mall, there's like the Capillus thing. It's like that hat with the lights yeah, and they're like the like, lights will totally regrow your hair maybe yeah. okay that's like the ad thing you put on it just shocks you and you mm-hmm. have an impact that's it you're to now <laughs> you're to i'm zach efron i could be ted yeah. bundy now right and so um anyway um i had that we had a product like that and i had this lady a really nice lady this doctor from india and i thought i was so close to a big sale right and i was going big i was like no listen i'll tell you what <laughs> We'll just start you off with like a cool hundred of these. And once you burn through them, because your patients are going to love them so much, then we'll kind of get like a recurring shipment. We'll cut the cost. So it'll be golden. Yeah. Right? We're Deal? Do a favor. Deal? Yeah. And she goes, she touched, she goes, you know, Justin, if I thought there was an even 1% chance this would work, I'd buy them all. And I thought, 1%? I mean, <laughs> there's got to be something I can think of that has literally a 1% chance of growing your hair back. So I'm sitting here thinking, like, this industry is major, and I know a lot about it. So then we started doing some anecdotal re- research on the internet. You find all these anecdotal evidences yeah. and that, and people saying they're taking the scope. When is this? What, what time This is uh, 2000, end of 2011. Okay. And, you know, people online are saying, well, we take the SCOBY, which, uh, if you don't know what SCOBY is, it's basically sort of the vegetative matrix, the cellulose matrix. It looks like a pancake that sits on top of a batch of kombucha. Mm -hmm. And inside of that, it sort of is a preservation little mold for all of the microorganisms that are in kombucha. It's the mother culture. Yeah, It's the part you save if you're making friendship bread. And so, (laughs) um, right? And so basically, um, people were like, they were blending that up into some kind of a, um, like a conditioner. Yeah. um, Or like a paste that they would leave in. And they're saying it would help them regrow their hair. So we got started down that is there path. Is research behind this? Or is it no. just kind of like... No, it was all anecdotal. So we thought... Like oh, I heard like, just don't rub garlic on your head and you'll be good. No. Stimulate. Yeah. No, I don't know, maybe. Stimulate and something. I don't stim- know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, <laughs> um, so basically, um, 
we kind of got in over our heads on that because we're thinking like, well, how do we test this? Now I have to ask all my friends who I think are losing their hair. We haven't really talked about this subject yet, but like, listen. Hey, Steve. How you doing lately, buddy? <laughs> yeah, listen. <laughs> Wife and I have noticed. <laughs> Old age stuff, yeah, right? Yeah. And so, I right? Yeah, I mean, like, so you're balding. Let's just say it. We quickly realized like, this is crazy. Now, at the same time, we were making all this kombucha just to get the SCOBY. The liquid, we're like, what the hell are we going to do with all this? I just want the SCOBY. Oh, shit. Yeah. So the whole time, we're putting it in bottles, and we're like, friends, do you want this? And, like, and the whole thing, we're optimizing how we're, um, just, just our formula and how we're doing it in order to get these great SCOBYs each time. Really nice ones. And um, and the meanwhile, like, the liquid is tasting better, but uh, that's not my business. I, yeah. I'm, I'm, into the, I'm into this. And so um, then Vanessa gets a call. She's from L.A. She... She had a friend at the farmer's market and was like, look, you can have a booth this summer to sell your hair loss thing. And we were like, we'll take it, having no product at all. And then we realized, you know, quickly, like, let's just put the kombucha in the bottle and let's just make this awesome kombucha. We're going to blast through this business. We're going to make a bunch of mistakes. It will just kind of like implode. And then we'll learn a lot and we'll start our real business from there on out. But that That's was- That's a great mentality. That was the mentality. Yes. Okay. So we can talk about that. The mentality of just like, Leave it all in the field style mentality. Yeah. I mean, what the heck? Like, why be reserved about it? Like, try your very best, whatever it might be. So were you running on fear ever? Or no. was it just like, hey, like, fuck it, let, let's just roll? It was a lot of fuck it, let's roll because um, I think, like, an entrepreneurial venture, at least from the way that we approached it, now at this point I know a lot of different ways that one might approach an entrepreneurial venture. But for us it was like, we don't know what we're doing. Mm -hmm. We just know that if we fail – it's not like I'm giving up this fabulous career I have working at Topic. It was a tougher move for Dinah. She did have an awesome career, and she was moving up. Um, Vanessa kind of too, and so it was a little bit of a different thing, but there was no fear. No, because there was nothing to lose. That, that was the whole thing. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome, especially at the support of your partner. In 100%. The, like, that's mm -hmm. huge. I feel like huge. a lot of endeavors crash and burn because of that. Oh, they sure can. Yeah. So for people who haven't had kombucha, like my mom never had it. I got her some health aid, and now she's trying to make her own. Like, mm -hmm. she's obsessed with it. She, she works at a hospital. She's not a doctor. She works at a hospital, but, like, all the, all the ladies there are doing it. Um, but there's so many good health benefits. Not only is it tasty as all hell, but can you kind of go into, like, the probiotics and mm -hmm. how that really works? Sure. So kombucha um, – I can speak about health aid kombucha it has all kinds of naturally occurring probiotics. And so probiotics are basically, they're just living microorganisms that are generally shown to have some kind of positive impact on the body. Mm -hmm. So you may have heard, or people are talking about, it's like it's kind of popular to say that the, the gut or the stomach is like the second brain. Yeah. Right. So got it, that gut feeling, man. Yeah. Yeah. You got that gut feeling. Mm -hmm. And then it also, um, I think it pulls a lot of levers within the body just in terms of just how your body operates, right? So I think one of the first things you notice once you start drinking kombucha regularly, and, and I'm saying this anecdotally, right? Like the research isn't like in yet, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? So I just want to put that out there. Anecdotally, one of the first things you notice is skin, hair, and nails improve. Um, you kind of sleep better, regulates mood. Um, it's, it's all the things that you might uh, experience from having probiotics. The cool thing about kombucha is that the process of making the kombucha, which is essentially it's fermented tea basically and it's fermented with which is crazy i didn't know that that's what it is yeah it's tea that's fermented and um 
and the 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 very and we happen to flavor ours with like cold pressed organic juice and things like that. We just try to make it sort of like as crafty as we can, yeah. like very crafty, really mimicking how you might make it at home. It's it's literally how we made it at home. It's in a two and a half gallon glass jar. That's mm-hmm. how we're making it. So it's we've. Just we just scaled sort of horizontally, but not really up, yeah. so to speak. How long does it take to like brew a, a quote unquote batch? Um, there's two parts to the fermentation. There's the aerobic phase, so it there is air transfer. Mm-hmm. Um, that part takes about a week, and then um, generally speaking, and then when you put it in the bottle. Um, and into that, you might put some like if you're making it at home, you might flavor it with like whatever seasonal. Like you look around if you have apples. Blend them up, put them in mm-hmm. there, whatever. And then you cap it. That's the anaerobic phase. And you want to leave that in some kind of a warm area um, and until it's bubbly. So if your mom is making it at home, she may run into a few, um, gosh, this isn't working right situations. Well, I heard that if you do try to make it on your own, mm-hmm. if you don't do it right, it could be kind of dangerous-ish? No. Nothing? No. Oh, that was no. a wise tale? No. That was just a wise tale? Kind of like it helps your hair grow back? Uh, probably. Um, cause I haven't heard she brewed it, but I yeah. was too afraid to ask her how it went. Okay. Here's the deal. The cool thing, it has a low pH. So although, uh, like, like think about like if you're drinking like apple cider vinegar or you're squeezing lemon juice into water or something like that, it's, it's alkalizing for your body, but itself is acidic, right? Yeah. S- similar dynamic as that. So due to the low pH and due to the ongoing fermentation, so when you put it in the bottle and it gets bubbly in there, that's fermentation. And even when you put it in the fridge, it's fermenting, but just it's almost suspended. Yeah, It's just fermenting really slowly. When you do that, um, that so the combination of the uh, low pH and the ongoing fermentation, any kind of pathogens, you know, E. coli, these sorts of things, like they can't live in that environment. They just can't. So from a food safety standpoint, it's completely safe. Now, what might happen with people is that if they're brewing kombucha at home, and there's plenty of, like, resources, websites out there that, like, go into this. All right. So now I, I want to go because you went from this three-person club yes. to now we're in this beautiful facility here. Yeah. How did that what, – what was kind of the transition there? Because it seems like you guys are doing pretty well because I can't go into Whole Foods or pretty much anywhere without – yeah. Seeing health aid. And like right there in the in the prime spot yeah, on yeah, the we shelf. Hard to get that good that good locale. Um that's been its own crazy journey. So um it's really funny. So we started off in the farmer's market, mm-hmm. right? We work at one farmer's market. And the cool thing about that, and I would recommend this to anybody, is that it was like our own little mini business school because you have to literally set up once a week your own store. It's your store. And you have to sell the product that you made. You have to like count the money and do it all right. And like some people holding the money, like everything becomes very tangible yeah. to you. It's like it's it's like the most basic level. And um, so we realized like every week we're like, how do we do better next week? How do we do better next week? We were really relentless. I had a professor in college, he was teaching us how to mix. So like getting the base the right and you know the treble the correct and everything. He said, just remember this: anything you can do to make it better, you must do. Okay, well, that can be anxiety-inducing wow. if you're a perfectionist and a little bit insidious. But the point is that, like, you can't let things sit. If it need, if it can be improved, it must be, and that's your duty. And so we looked at it that way, um, and that goes back earlier. That's a kind of our balls-of-the-wall attitude about it, certainly in the beginning. was like, dude, let's just do our best at it, and if that's not good enough, so be it. Um, 
So we built up, you know, we started doing the farmer's market and then we built up a little farmer's market empire whereby we'd have seven a week. The problem with farmer's markets is that generally they all happen at literally the same time. Yeah. It's like Sunday Saturday, morning. Saturday, Sunday. Saturday, Saturday morning, Sunday morning. And so we'd have people, have a little caravan of people come and we'd load up their cars and they'd go out and they'd do this and then they'd bring everything back. It was a whole crazy thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then we started um, self-distributing to different stores around. Well, what's that feel like when, like the first time that you're at a market and someone goes, hey, yeah, I'll buy your product. Oh my gosh, it's an unbelievable feeling. It's it's just um like that's that that's a closure. That's a like closing the loop situation. You're like, yes, mm-hmm. I've created my wares, I've set up my stand, and someone's exchanged bills for this. Mm-hmm. Right? We're doing it. Beautiful. It's beautiful. That's how it's meant to work. And so everybody gets what they want out of this. And so it's a voluntary <laughs> transaction among peaceful people. Yes. And so anyway, um, so then we get this phone call and it's from these Not people. Not the catfish? No. Okay. Oh, but see, oh, I'm deeply cynical by this point because of the catfish. I situation. can imagine. Yes. So we get this phone call from these people called First Beverage Group. And I'm like, that sounds made up. And like, <laughs> We're the first beverage group. Are you? Okay. And they're basically saying that we would like to invest in your brand. We've searched high and low. Mm. Um, we truly believe that kombucha is a huge hit in the future. Good call. We've tried a whole bunch. And, um, you know, we, you guys are the ones. We haven't even met you yet, but we want to bring you in and talk. We're based here in L.A. And we were like, and they say, we're venture capitalists. We, we, we didn't know what venture capitalists meant. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, we had like, okay, so what is that though? When someone says banker, like, yeah. what could that even mean? Like, it could mean many things. And so we, um, long story short, is we ended up building a relationship with the First Beverage Group, and they made an investment that fall. So it was the fall of two thousand. We started the business. We started the company in March of twenty twelve, and we had an investment with First Beverage Group um, by I think like October of twenty thirteen. And then so wow. they, they gave you money for the sole purpose of building the business. That's a really interesting thing right there because you, you sit here like when you're meeting with like a venture capital group or you know, someone who's going to invest in you, they really what they're asking is like, what are your hopes and dreams? And you're like, well, it's these. And they're like, okay, here are the resources to make that happen. Damn. I mean, that's it. I mean, that, 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 that's the exchange. Like now the expectation is you go out and do it, but like you told us what you wanted. Yeah. We bought in. But it's like your agenda. Absolutely. They make it like we don't run businesses. We just invest in them. Mm -hmm. And so you're given the opportunity to make your dreams come true. And then so um, so that's what we've been trying to do ever since then is is essentially that. So you take that investment and then you you have to deploy it, you know, in in hopefully the right ways with as few mistakes as possible. You You want to maximize the value of the dollar. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, this facility is incredible. It's pretty cool. So, congrats. Yeah, yeah thank it's, you. It's more than pretty cool. Okay, this cool. Is, this is baller. Yeah. Uh, so, congratulations on that. I appreciate and, it. And you guys, you brew everything right here? We have two locations in the LA area. Okay. We're in a town called Torrance right now, which is south of the airport. Mm-hmm. And then we have a smaller place. Not too far from Manhattan Beach, where they shot Point Break, the original. This is true. Nearby. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, You're like Bodhi. A little... <laughs> Am I? You're the Bodhi of the kombucha. I, I don't know if I am. Just running gun. And then, yeah, okay, in that sense. And then, um, and then we have another brewery in a town called um, Van Nuys, which is where they make other kinds of movies, and that's um, north of the yeah. airport. 
<laughs> for your parents. Yeah, right? <laughs> Listen, I know I'm not supposed to say I'm a good guy, but I've been using Good Guy Wellness hair products and they have me feeling good AF. Speaking of which, today's podcast is brought to you by Good Guy Wellness. Good Guy Wellness is a four-step hair care line designed to help good guys keep their hair on their heads. Try saying that five times fast. But seriously though, it's a four-step system. It's a shampoo, conditioner, topical solution, and these awesome gummies that will keep your hair looking healthy, strong, and most importantly, there. Another thing that I love about HealthAid is your company culture. Yes. So um, working in social media, we shot uh, your Christmas party. And I, we had two clients. And one client, we opted out to not go to their Christmas party to shoot photos for your guys' Christmas party, which is fantastic, by the way. And it was funny because we were texting, uh, we were texting someone at the other company. And they're like, this party sucks. How's HealthAid's? <laughs> And I'm like, this place is a rager. It was a rager. It was like, I've never seen so many people so excited to spend the holidays with the people they work with, with their company. And just like the generosity and what you guys were like throwing out as far as bonuses and just all the appreciation that you put out. And just like this, this like overwhelming sense of not even like teamwork, but it was like family. Mm-hmm. Like what goes behind that company culture and keeping it? Because it, it's, I was like, I, I want to work here. I don't know That's shit awesome. about kombucha, but I want to work here. Yeah. I can well, drink taste test for you. Thank you for saying that. Um, I really appreciate it. So that's several things. It's not just one. One of the things is you end up self-selecting for people mm-hmm. naturally because you hire people and you bring them into the company. And then what happens is, so what we learned early on is that we should really put on paper what it is in a generally speaking personality type that we're looking for. Um, that is to say, if somebody, we, we have company values that we have, they spell goal, grit, optimism, authenticity, and leadership, right? So you're looking for somebody grit, like they gotta be a grinder. They like, they gotta like getting in there and pushing through and working hard, generally grit. Optimism doesn't mean you're happy all the time, but it means you see the silver lining and you're willing to go for it. Right, that's just generally optimistic. Doesn't mean every day is great, but you're not a negative person. Yeah. Um, authenticity means that I can tell you and you can tell me when something was subpar, and we can have that discussion and be adults that's about important. it. It's critically important. And then leadership means that you know you want to take accountability for your own work and you want to help support others like that. So grit, op- uh, authentic- optimism, authenticity, and leadership. We recognize that in people, mm-hmm. and we have a way of making sure that that's the kind of person that comes in. And then what ultimately happens is that the workplace becomes its own ecosystem, its own environment, right? Talk about office politics, you really can't control it. It just sort of happens on its own. Um, People, there becomes a society within the company of people. And if someone is too grossly outside of what the society likes, they're just naturally rejected. It's really interesting. And like, I don't, hire everybody i don't initially meet most of the people that work here now at this point because there's so many people um so we have to trust that they're the right people are coming in so that's step one is self-selecting the kind of people i think the next thing is that we set very high goals we agree on those goals as company leadership and everybody who's working we at first off we ask people to set their own goals 
and show us what you think the goal ought to be. And it's usually wildly higher than we would. And she's like, okay, that, that might not be possible. Mm -hmm. So we agree on those goals. We make sure that we set a milestone pathway. We chart out how to get there. And then, you know, you course correct along the way. Well, at the end of the year, like what you witnessed is it's been this incredible drama that's played out over the year of as a group, some people are exceeding their goals. Some are hitting them. We're, we're, we're pushing so hard to hit some of them. It's the end of the year, so there's usually a revenue goal that we're super close to, and we're doing everything we can to win at retail and all the different things you do in beverage to try to make sure that we hit them, and then we throw this kind of a rager party, and it all sort of comes out. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And, and I think when you're in the thick of it, it's like there's sort of like that sort of camaraderie that builds up like in battle or yeah. what you might experience on a sports team or something like that. There's a lot of that that overflows. And we want to capture that energy as super potent energy oh, yeah. that you might not get at a job, a job that doesn't really give you the opportunity for that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So we want, we, at the end of the day, from a management level, culture is, like, I asked my wife this, other day, okay, what does culture mean? Because we were somehow talking about it. I was like, let's just level set on that one more time. She's like, a good culture means that people are very happy to work their very best. That's it. I mean, and if you can achieve that, then you're going to get the best results you can with the roster and the plan that you have in front of you. It's, I, it, a lot of it is like a football team. I'm not joking. It's like you do have a game plan. You do have to deviate. There is a halftime where we course correct. We do have a, a, a finite roster. Not everybody can be on the team. We do make roster moves. Everybody has a position to play. There are coaches, players, a front office, an owner. It all It's very similar to that. And there's a season. It's called the calendar year. And so, and we have ways of grading. And at the end of the day, if we can foster those kind of relationships that you might get like on a football team, because you can see football teams that are not healthy functioning. Like you look at like um, the Washington Redskins have been a dumpster fire for years. And they're going to live that way until they fix their culture. Yeah. And the Eagles have been a winning team for a very long time, probably due to Jeffrey Laurie owning it for 25 years and running it properly. Yeah. And even though the staff and the faces and the game and everything's changed that whole time. That company culture is still right there. It's so important. And he, that is his number one job as the owner of the Eagles. So I can under, so it, it all kind of ties in like that. And so company culture is major. And we foster it not only through the work, um, we do other things. You know, um, everybody gets uh, we call it VTO, volunteer time off. Mm -hmm. You can take a day every quarter and do something volunteer-wise if you'd like to do that. Some people do it. Some people don't. It's okay. And and can, can you kind of go into that? Do you, do you guys set up a volunteer type thing? We do. Okay. We do. We built a relationship um, with a group called Garden School Foundation, and this is actually really cool. I forget how we came in contact with them, but um, we do a lot of cold pressing of juice, so we end up with what has been called pumice, which is just sort of like the dry parts that just all the liquid's been squeezed out. Um, and I'm like, what do you do with all this? And we had to find, we wanted to find like a charitable place to give this to that would actually help lives. Yeah. And so we found this, um, it's in it's sort of like a, uh, you know, that was the right word, disadvantaged? I don't know. It's a part of L.A. where they don't have a lot of money. And so, um, and they have a school there. And there was what was going to become a parking lot. Some people rounded up money and raised money, and they saved it. And it's this unbelievably beautiful garden. Unbelievable. Mm -hmm. And so we've been giving SCOBIES, which actually, like, use up SCOBIES, which actually help. Like your fertilizers? Yeah, kind of, yeah. And then also this pumice and some other things to them. 
And then now what we do is part of our victory week, which is our holiday party time. It's a whole week where we're just like kind of like high-fiving um, and having company meetings. We do a huge volunteer day there once a year where we do a lot of things that they like wouldn't be able to get done unless you had like 100 adults like working together doing something. Yeah. So we do that. Well, and we great. do a few other events throughout the year and we sponsor a lot of things with them. And it's cool. We actually sponsor a full-time teacher. They have a full-time teacher who literally teaches like garden. And it's amazing because these are kids who, I'm not joking, like would have no exposure to that yeah. at all because it's just they I don't feel live like in that even, area. Even kids in the country don't even have really exposure to this anymore. No, not really. No, it's some people are missing like kids literally. Kids in the city to have it. That's, that's so invaluable. It's, it's really invaluable. And I just, I hope that it makes an impact on the kids. I mean, actually, it's interesting. They've shown that uh, during the days when, so it's, if you remember, like, in school, you have, like, art class, like, on one day, yeah. and then, like, whatever. I think they're called specials is yeah. what they call them. So this, um, the garden is a special. So they'll do it, like, once a week for, like, one segment of their day. Um, and they've shown that, like, a clear, like, wow. absenteeism goes down on garden day. Well, especially when they're growing stuff, too. It's, like, the fruits of your labor, kind of like what you guys do with, like, Making it and then that sale. Oh, yeah, that full circle. Oh, they eat it. So, oh, so here's the whole thing. They grow food that you eat. So they pick the food and then they teach them to make little recipes out of it. It's like, yeah, it's really amazing. And that's what the teacher is doing there. It's a really special thing. It's very, very cool. And so when they do, so on the days when they have like garden class, there's like a material and noticeable, repeatable data you know, it just shows the kids come to school more often when they have that. And that right there, getting the kids. Every school curriculum. It would be nice. It would be nice. Yeah. And I, I you know, to I know what you're eating, to know what you're putting in your body. Yeah. Literally the fruits of your labor. Literally. That's a special thing because everything comes from the store yeah. to these children. We don't right? have they that don't connection that. anymore to our food. Yeah. So we can bridge that a little bit. But we have the great pleasure of just behind the wall over here is an entire kombucha. Basically, we don't call it a factory. We don't call it a brewery. We like to think of it as a farm mm-hmm. because what we do is we grow it and we harvest it because mm. that's what it's doing. It's yeah. living. It, it, we're, we're growing it and harvesting it, and then we package it, and then we ship it. Yeah. So it's a lot like farmed food. So we have the great pleasure of witnessing this all the time whenever we feel like it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, those kids, they get that great pleasure too. The thing sitting here talking with you is that you are a young guy, and it seems like you have so much confidence in, like, what you're doing. Where do you get that confidence from? Wow. Question of the day. Like, you just come right out, like. You know, Think about the entirety of human history. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then think about the entirety of the planet, just a snapshot of today, and the circumstance that you could be in or probably would be in, just luck of the draw. I'm here. I'm from Millville. Say what you want about Millville. I like Millville or whatever. You know, South Jersey gets a bad rap. We were joking around about that. Actually, it's a phenomenal place to be from and a phenomenal time to be from there. And... You know, just think about, like, imagine for yourself, like, some fairy tale of, like, the hundreds of years ago, like, the richest king of Europe where they'd have all this food laid out for them and they could choose what they wanted to eat from it and everything else would be whatever. We literally have that. It's called a grocery store. Yeah. And they're on, like, they're, like, everywhere. Okay? We live in a time of so far and away the highest amount of wealth, capital, which is just money to invest floating around and freedom to do what you want with your time that, that, that has literally been unimaginable 
It's a it's Ever. a it's a freaky idea if you went back in time and explained this to somebody. They would what you're telling me that there's a this carriage that you go and it just does whatever and you can go places and or any just think it's absolutely phones, internet, any it's information unreal. You want is right here. So when you're hungry, you simply eat. You serious? You order it now. Yeah, you're right. You just order it right now. Um, you, you mean you're not at the whim of like the harvest season and all that? No, I'm not. I don't even consider it. And so Given this golden opportunity, what's the worst that could happen if you come out just swinging? Just swing. Swing. Swing as many times as you want. In fact, swing more. Mm -hmm. Swing as hard as you can. Swing soft. Swing hard. Bat righty, bat lefty. I don't care. It's, it's, it's an experience that the worst that can happen is you just have to go out and get a job that you're not that into while you figure out something else to do. It's all good. I mean, just think about what the child mortality rate used to be a hundred years ago. Yeah, only a hundred. I, I look at that stuff all the time. It's mind-blowing. This is a padded environment for us to just blast off and yeah, make it however you we want. You can your 70s and you're like, oh, no, you're still good. Like, I have buddies that are in the 70s. I still travel the world. And I have a buddy who is 80. He's at the base of Everest right now. That's unreal. Like 80. It's like, oh, yeah, what? Yeah, what's the problem? Like we were dead at like 30 yes, 200 years ago. Absolutely. Or it's 40, a 40 whatever it is. It's a, but were, people were shorter. Yeah. Going to an old house. We're tall. Everything's smaller. Like you can't even move around. like what what is this? Yeah. We have yeah. this whole room to ourselves right now. I like, have the whole room. You too cold? I'll turn up the yeah, heat. Like, I can adjust so, that. Yeah. So anyway, the point being that like we have so much ridiculous opportunity and I'm I'm excited by it. it to me it's like why whittle your life into some you know, like it's all, it's a little bit like muscle flexing, right? It's like, you know, if I just work out this right arm constantly and I ignore the left arm, the right arm gets really strong, yeah. gets used to it, right? You know, but so, and what I'm, the point I'm trying to make is that like, you know, you can exercise a muscle in your mind all you want. You can look at the negative and you can become a professional at that. You can become the best in the world mm. at always finding what's wrong with things. Another option is you can sort of make a shift and exercise that muscle a little bit less and exercise another muscle a little bit more. And what will happen is that the one you stop exercising gets a little weaker, and the one you do exercise gets a little stronger. Yeah. And over time, you can really sort of, you're never going to hit perfect. That's the other beautiful thing. There's no perfect. People, the world that- What is perfect? We don't even know what perfect is. We don't is. even know. Yeah, we but, can't even comprehend yeah, what it, perfect but, is. Right, but the point is there's always more. Like, what's the next thing? You're like, wait, Elon Musk is doing that now? Yeah. Get out of here, right? There's always something. So there's just this never-ending blossoming of opportunity um, and abundance that you can that you can choose to try your best to take part in. Doesn't mean it's always going to go your way. Remember, I was the guy that got catfished, um, you know, trying to make it in music. And there's a million details of that story that are not fit for ears. That, like, <laughs> completely, like... I mean, I'll leave it, that up to you guys. It's a little bit of a mindfuck, like, some of it. <laughs> So, you know, you know, to protect the innocent, I kept that out of there. But, like, the point is, like, there's – so what? That happened in the past. Well, it's not happening to me right now. Yeah. It's not, right? They say don't trip over what's Amazing behind you. Mentality. Similar deal. So, you know, and don't trip over what's in front of you either unless you can clearly see it and walk around it. But don't be like, oh, oh things yeah. happening. You know, so. You just adjust. Shift. You adjust. It's all – they always say, they're like, tell me about your business plan and what's your – now we deal in the world of investment and things like that. They're always, you know, business plan and I don't know about that plan and this and that. And I always say, listen, I think it's based a lot more on founders because the business plan, you should have seen our business plan. It was a joke. It was a laughable joke at the time. 
Was it one of those stories that was written on like a cocktail napkin or something? Oh no, we put all it was kind on of scoby. No, right. <laughs> it was kind of the opposite, actually. We put all this work into what we thought at the time was a beautiful presentation full of great information. In fact, it was it was wretched looking, full of bogus, like non-smart ideas. But that doesn't matter. You know why? Because it's all about the pivots. Yeah. It's only about the pivots. And that confidence to go ahead and do it. Never forget this. Nick Foles beat Tom Brady in Super Bowl 52, and that's a fact. Think about that, and he was a backup. Not now. Washed up, apparently. Did you ever read his book? I haven't yet. I read it. BDN. <laughs> Straight up, dude. <laughs> I got, I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> He's not number nine for nothing. <laughs> I love Nick Foles. <laughs> Me too. Oh, my gosh. I have to tell you that. I know you're out of time. No, go ahead. One Nick Foles can, story? Yeah, we can go. Okay, here it is. What happened was, so, obviously the Eagles win the NFC Championship game uh, against Falcons. Everybody's mind's blown. Is that against Falcons? No. Oh, I'm sorry, that Minnesota. was against Minnesota, rather. And then so, uh, and everybody's mind is blown. And then a couple of days later, there's a Sports Illustrated article that comes out. It's about BDN. My sister, my sister sends me the article. And in there, he references that, like, he and, like, Brent Selleck or somebody, like, whatever, they're, they, they drink kombucha. It just said that, like, yeah, after we work out, we, like, do the ice bath thing, we drink some kombucha and move on. And I was, like, alarm bells went off. Yeah. So I said to, like, the people that work in marketing, I was, like, please try to contact Nick Foles' people and, uh, you know, give him kombucha, see what the deal is. In my mind, I'm literally, like, give him kombucha because I think it's going to help him. Yeah. Like, whatever about me. Standing on the sidelines like just Super Bowl, how, sipping on her. How can I help Nick Foles is all yeah. I'm thinking. We just want to win a championship. Yeah. And then so they got back to us, and they were like, hey, Nick, right now is not a good time for him. He's not looking at anything sponsorship-wise, Just, but we'll talk about it later. And I was like, fair. Give him his space. And then so then, of course, the Eagles win the Super Bowl in great glory. Everyone's happy. So then... Monday, I come to work, and our head of marketing is like, Justin, you're not going to believe this. And I was like, what? He's like, so Nick Foles' agent had to get in touch with me. He, he, he sent me an email this morning. So Eagles win the Super Bowl. There's this huge party. It's going to be a big party. Mm -hmm. But he's kind of not like a big partier, you know what I mean? And so he elected to be like with a like party a little bit. And he was like, I'm going to go with my wife and my kid and like do that. And they had like a little player suite. So he was going to go up and chill. And his manager, agent, or whatever this person was in his life came up. And he's like, I thought it was appropriate to bring a couple like expensive bottles of liquor, right? And we just won something. Shows up. No. What's Nick Foles drinking on? Healthy ginger lemon kombucha. Ginger lime's awesome. Mm-hmm. So he's drinking, he's drinking that. And then he proceeds to tell Nick, like, dude, these people have been contacting me. Funny story. And then I was jogging one morning before work. I have a Nick freaking Foles shirt that my sister gave me. So I'm running, wearing that, feeling all pumped. Come home, check my phone. What do I get? It's a text from our uh, head of marketing at the time. And it was Nick holding a health aid bottle to say, like, sign of good faith. Point is, we got really close to a deal. It never really worked out. But um, I wish him the best. But he's a fan, his... man. Yeah, he is. And I'm a fan of his. So I wish him all the best in his career. Yeah. Honestly. Except for when he plays us, in which case I want to win. Yeah. But I don't want to hurt him. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's the thing. Well, it's preseason we're playing him this year, so yeah. it should be all right. He'll get a snap or two in He'll there. He'll get a snap or two. Yeah. Uh, all right. There's, there's two more things I want to Let's ask. Let's do it. Um, one, what do you think somebody would say, an employee, that it's like to work for you? It, it is 
very hard work. They would say that, uh, well, what, 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 what is this person's position? What do they do here? Just, just anything. Like if, if I bring only stop something, would be like, what is it like working for Justin? Oh, for Justin specifically? Oh, I think they'd say that I'm, I'm an empathetic person and caring, but I'm extremely intense. Mm-hmm. And um, you can relax a little bit. Okay? I, I can't. Heel. It's really hard. Like I'm really. Coast, they roll I know. I'm like, well, oh. I, well, they say this is body language. I'm like, it's not. I'm actually very happy and welcoming. This is how I like to hold my arms. <laughs> Just like that is comfortable. Yeah, it's fine for me. Um, so now I'm gonna be conscious about it. <laughs> no, they would say that I'm 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 an intense person. I care a lot about the details. It's kind of my thing, and that um, and that um, and that I'm passionate. I can be a little bit distanced. Like, I don't, it's always like, hey, how was your weekend? It's like, I'm just saying that. I don't really, like, mm-hmm. I don't want to have convo about it. Like, so I'm not, I'm just that way. I get a little bit, like, in my mode. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes I zoom out and have really, really human moments. So I think that people would say, I think they would just mainly say the intensity and the attention to detail, I think is what they would say. Yeah. Yeah. And then I want to throw something out real quick. You're about ready to be a dad again. Yes, I am. Congratulations. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Yeah. It's great. I'm really pumped, actually. I'm one of these people that's like really excited to have another baby. Yeah. Some people are like, are "Oh God!" Well, there you hear people. They're like, uh, and you know that annoys yeah. me. It's like the standard line. They're like, "Oh God, you're having a second one." It's like, uh, or the other oh is God, you brought God has blessed you with another healthy child that you can raise into adult. I'm like, I that I'm gonna look at just trying to that. make the world a better place. Yeah, what's the problem with that? Yeah, so I'm really pumped. Okay, yeah, we're doing the middle of July. It's another boy. Another boy. Look at you, mm-hmm. man. Yeah. Getting your football squad. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. Or whatever. You know what I mean? That's the other thing. If I'm he like, wants whatever. to become a Philadelphia Eagle, I won't stop him. <laughs> no, it's, it's fine. If that's what he wants to do with his life. That's awesome. You know? Yeah, I'm really pumped. I appreciate good. it. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Last question here. Sure. What does it mean to you to be a good guy? I think that human kindness is really important. Mm-hmm. Because there's so much that, um, there's some things that we control, but most of things are out of our control. And so, but what you can control, generally speaking, is, is just human kindness. And that doesn't mean you're going to be perfectly kind all the time. But I think if you have a healthy reflection mechanism and you can, you know, when you do something that is maybe out of alignment with your value system, provided you have a good value system, um, and, and you can reflect on that and maybe shoot for it next time, I guess I'm just saying, like, always try. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because I think... I think perfection can become its own insidious enemy, but if you but if you're always trying, I think that's the most that we can expect. And I think if everybody, or if, you know, the bulk of people are on that page, then I think that the ship is going to go in the right direction. And you don't have to be a superhuman; you can just do your best. Yeah. yeah. Just always trying to be better. That's it. A little bit. A little bit. All right. Yeah. Thank you, Justin. I appreciate it, man. This podcast is brought to you by Good Guy Wellness. Good Guy Wellness, good products for good guys for good hair.